Hello, everybody. This is Andy LeBeau from uh, Commodity Research Group, and uh, I'm joined for uh, the third week. This is the third in our series of weekly talks, talking EIAs and markets, and I'm joined today by Marty Stetzer of uh, EKT Interactive, and uh, today we are going to talk markets, but first we're going to talk about the uh, EIAs. Hey, Marty. Andy, nice to be here. Uh, we're out of the heavy-duty rain in, in uh, Houston we had yesterday. The day is beautiful, and the temperature dropped to a balmy 80. Well, we're still in the heat wave here in the, uh, here in the northeast. Hazy, hot, and humid, so we have your weather, Marty. We have your summer weather. I think we only have two days of respite, Andy. It'll be back before we know it. <laughs> I know it. I know it. We're back. At least we get back into the 80s. Well, you guys, you don't. But in any event, um, the, the EIAs came out today, and they were, they were a mixed bag, definitely a mixed bag. The crude number built by 1.3 million barrels. The market was looking for a 4 million draw. Crude's at 418 million barrels. It's still, it's 85 million below last year and 30 million below the, the four-year average. So stocks, even though they didn't draw this week, you know, they're still, I would call them below where they should be. Uh, and the market is, has definitely tightened up uh, quite a bit over the last uh, couple of months as evidenced by the backwardation in the market, which will in the crude market, which we'll talk about um, coming up. Gasoline number. That one was bullish. Gasoline drew by uh, 2.5 million. I think the market was looking for a, uh, much less of a draw. Demand for gasoline, surprisingly good. Demands, the demand is, is uh, surprisingly good given where the uh, given where pump prices is pump prices are, and on uh, distillates we saw nah, that was unchanged. Uh, distillates to me uh, continue to be pretty bullish. We're at 118 million. That's only 29 days supply versus uh, the four-year average of 139 or uh, 36 days supply. And distillate gasoline are, are both um, they're both pretty strong pretty strong this morning. Finally, on uh, on total stocks, um, they built by three million barrels. We're at one point two oh six billion barrels. And again, total stocks are fifty eight days, which is of course total inventories over what, where the demand is. Uh, they should be at 63 days. That's normal. So we're, we're running five days supply below normal. Uh, hmm. Again, that's pretty. You know that that's on the low. That's not the lowest end, but on the uh, but on the lower end. And the big number uh, is the Cushing number that are, that the entire market's been looking been looking at. Cushing drew by two million. It's at 28 million. Uh, it's half of what it was last year and average should be 51 million and uh, st stocks have drawn primarily as runs have increased in the mid continent they're running like 97 percent i think of uh, of capacity uh so we we've seen a uh, pretty dramatic draw over the last few weeks in uh, in cushing and um you know, I think the market is looking for 
more of a draw. The uh, the big news item there, of course, is the Syncrude um, Syncrude problem in uh, Canada, where they've lost like three hundred sixty thousand barrels a day of uh, of production. Speaking of uh, Canada, Andy, I noticed the uh, World Oil is saying that uh, that could come back in the near future to offset you know, the continued declines in heavy sour crude from Venezuela, and a lot of it might be uh, crude by rail. Is that uh, what your understanding of that supply system is? I think it's going to have to be really, Marty, because the, yeah, the, the this still, if you look at heavy crude, heavy sour, WCS, uh, is running like 20, it's still $26 on the Cushing, which of Whoa. course, yeah, so that's indicative of, the, the lack of takeaway capacity. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to have to be rail to get, to get the WCS out. And Syncrude is running at a big, is running at a big premium now to, to um, WTI. I think it's four, 450 over WTI. Uh, it had been like 10 to 12 under before this, well, maybe not that low, but it, 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 before the problem, uh, it had been, it had been, um, you know, I have been in a, at a pretty healthy discount. So, yeah, it's all, it's going to have to be rail to, to get the, those barrels out. Rail is interesting for those of you who I'm sure have been in and out of Houston. If you've ever gone up the Hardy Toll Road, a gigantic rail line runs up the middle of the toll road on its way to the uh, Intercontinental Airport. I was driving up to meet some clients the other day, and I think I saw the longest crude train yet I uh, timed it on my speedometer, and it was over two and a half miles long. Oh my goodness! Sitting on uh, sitting on the siding, evidently waiting. Couldn't tell whether it was full going south or empty going back. Uh, but uh, it really brings it to life when you see something like that, trying to figure out how to move gigantic volumes of crude by rail. Right, and, and if if you look at uh, the lo the logistics. It, it, you know, we, there's the same problem, obviously, in in uh, the Permian, uh, which is running at, at its back. You know, the Permian had rallied relative to WTI, and it's now back to 12 to 13 under. Uh, again, you know, well, I know we talked about this last week, Marty, but again, there's got to be, uh, you know, you look at the logistics, you, you look at rail, you look at trying to lock in uh, a longer term deal and, and producers may be somewhat uh, reluctant to to uh to do that so there's a lot there's a lot of move a lot of a lot of moving parts on uh on distributing on distributing crude and a lot of dislocation all over the place so how are things going with our uh, buddies in opec well that is a um i'm sure they're feeling the heat today uh as uh President Trump tweeted that uh, OPEC should reduce prices, uh, which is basically the tweet means that Saudi should increase production. Uh, they've already told OPEC that in June they're they're producing 10.5 million barrels a day, and I think they've they've told the market they're getting up to 11 by um, probably by July. Uh, Trump wants them to get. Uh, to increase by another million barrels a day to uh, to 12 million barrels a day. And uh, Marty, I, I know that you uh, worked 
have done a lot of work with the Saudis and worked in Saudi Arabia. So my question to you is, you know, can they get up to 12 million barrels a day? And, you know, is that sustainable? That's a very good question. I think we got the uh, 12 million as their maximum capacity from the uh, recent IEA report. Uh, One thing is to get there, as you point out, uh, but more importantly, to sustain it, because at that point, you're maximizing the let's call it stress on the reservoir, not so much worried about the piping and the pumps, that's pretty easy. But the Saudis have always had this very long-term view and do not want to affect the viability of of the entire portfolio that they have uh, on a short-term kind of a a move. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage this this, uh, request, again, this this week's era in, in Twitter diplomacy. Right. I, I suspect they're not going up to 12 million. Right. Uh, I, I think they're going to stay at, uh, they're going to stay at 11. And, and as well, there's, said, yeah, there's also some other wild cards in, in uh, production dropping out uh, in other parts of the, the world too, Andy, correct? So they, uh, they, they still seem to be the, the uh, flywheel or shock absorber or uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so they don't want to see a gigantic price fly up. No is what their, I think their big concern is. Right, and uh, as you said, you could go down the, you could pretty much go down the list of, uh, of OPEC producers and, you, and you've got production problems. The biggest one right now is Libya, which is a real, it's, a, it's more of a, uh, another, yet another geopolitical um, development. Uh, Libya just declared force majeure on 850,000 barrels a day. Wow. Of, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big number. I mean, that, that's a big number. We'll see how long uh, that lasts. They don't have production problems per se. There were some, um, th- there were fires in, in storage tanks, but they've got to sort out whether the NOC East, the, the, the NOC oil company East or NOC West is going to uh, export crude, and uh, it's, it's a very tricky negotiation. So there's 850 lost. Venezuela is probably is at one four now, and the IEA says they could be under a million by uh, early next year. Uh, so and Nigeria also is, is subject to uh, strikes or violence in the production area. So the the you know the, the there's a lot of um, talking about moving parts. I mean, the, yeah, 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 sure I mean, is. There's, sure there's is. a lot going on with OPEC and the non-OPEC. Certainly, you know, the, the Canada uh, production problem. That's short term. They say it's the end of. It should be the end of July. We, it, but there's been no no uh, no official date. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the general depletion of, of world oil reserves. Right of, of um, to, to continue the fight. And, you know, Marty, we talked yesterday about one, one country that has uh, just seen their oil production pretty much fall off the shelf, and that's Mexico. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what the new, the new administration in Mexico has in store for their production. Well, I, I think people forget a uh, basic fact of oil production, Andy, is the decline curve. You know, it I think the number is somewhere between four to five percent a year of the, let's say, hundred million barrels a day that we're currently running. You gotta, you gotta find, or develop, or or, or produce from an existing field another five million barrels a day every year just to maintain the current level. 
without any increase in crude demand. And it's getting a little tougher, especially in some of these old producing fields like Libya and some, of course, the U.S. was an old producing field prior to finding the, uh, the uh, wonders of fracking. But uh, I think a lot of people forget that this, you don't get it up to, like Saudi Arabia, you don't get it up to 12 million barrels a day and, and then keep it there. There's, right. a, there's a normal decline curve that is part of this equation too. That's such a great point, Marty. I think that, that, that that's lost because you, you talk about four or 5%, you know, that's a huge number at a hundred million. That's right. At a hundred million. So uh, that, you know, that's like the other big concern long-term again, I just, uh, I didn't read the entire article, but the journal just posted uh, a brief summary of the way the majors have cut their budgets. I mean, severe cuts, uh, 50, 60% since the peak. And uh, that is going to affect the long-term viability of, of uh, some of the news, new discoveries and their ability to finance to overcome this decline curve. It, you know, at, at uh, 5% a year and in 10 years, that's 50%. It's a right. lot. It's a lot. And, you know, that's the, the so-called gap right. uh, in production from, you know, when prices were, when prices were uh, in, the, in, the tw- in the 30s and 40s and 50s in 2014 and 2015. And we're going to be yeah. feeling that probably in 2019 and 2020. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really becomes much more important for uh, the, the shale resources to, to deliver. Uh, the, you know, and talk about depletion. I mean, there's some serious depletion, you know. Right. Much, much very steep rapid, decline curves. Very steep decline curves. Yeah. Very steep decline curves. So the, these are all issues that, you know, obviously the OPEC, the Saudis, non-OPEC producers, majors, you know, are, are continuing to uh, to grapple with. And, um, you know, it doesn't look like, uh, you know, there's no... Uh, if we lose a million barrels a day from Iran, owing to the new sanctions, plus Libya at 850, plus Venezuela at 400, you know, you, that, that, those are all those are big numbers. You know, the, the, the Saudis can barely make that up. Very right. They'd have to go to 12 to make that up. Yeah. You know, and then you'd have to hope that demand is the demand gets cut. Uh, because of higher prices. We haven't seen that yet in gasoline. But um, yeah, it still continues to be a challenging market. What about the tariffs? Uh, Yeah, well, there's something. This week on the tariffs, (laughs) our business or everybody else's business? Uh, Yeah, everybody's business. You know, from the pipeline, uh, from the pipeline companies who are concerned about getting, you know, getting the right kind of uh, steel to build these pipelines that we need to get the barrels out of the, out of the Permian, you know, <laughs> to Houston, you know, they're, they're worried about whether they'll have enough, whether they'll have enough supply. Uh, and certainly that's, you know, that's going to be key to world markets to, uh, you know, what the, as the tariffs go into effect tomorrow, uh, today's July 5th. Uh, the tariffs go into effect tomorrow. Okay, well, you know what? What are the Chin- What's the? Uh, what? How are the Chinese going to uh, retaliate? And you know, petroleum's on, petroleum's on the list, not LNG, but uh, petroleum's on the list. So there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of dislocation. I think. I mean, the Chinese 
uh, will go get other source of, of other sources of crude, perhaps the Iranians, which I don't think the Trump administration will be too happy about. Um, so, and, and then, you know, should the tariffs lead to a slowdown in the global economy, obviously that's going to be, you know, that's a bearish factor. Um, yeah. Which will initially be felt probably in bunker fuels. And, um, you know, then we'll see what the, the diesel, you know, the diesel effect's going to be, uh, plus all the petrochemicals. So there's, yeah. And I guess that's the bearish, the bearish side of the, yeah. of the ledger. Well, I was saying before we, uh, before we hooked up on the call, I think it was either the Journal or the Times had a terrific state-by-state state, uh, U.S. call it the farmer's impact. Uh, you know, soybeans, corn, wheat, everything that gets exported to China. And it's quite significant. And uh, I, I think a surprise because the middle America was such a supporter of of uh, Donald Trump when he was running for president, uh, this seems like a real blow to his his uh, initial political base. Yeah, you you would you would think so. Uh, you know, the, there's a lot of uh, I think as you know many many analysts have pointed out. You know, there's a lot of unintended consequences, and some, something that could help one industry can can crush another industry. And um, you know, we we want. Our export, you know, part of the Trump agendas is a powerful U.S. energy sector. And we just talked about how it, it could really harm our energy sector. So more to watch on the tariff side as well. Yeah. Never dull in the industry, is it? It really isn't. And this is a very, you know, this, this is a particularly interesting period, I think, because there's just so much going on. And uh, at least, you know, on the geopolitical side is, is just, um, you know, every day it's, it's, it's something, you know, something else has, has happened. And we didn't even talk about that. Let me just bring one other point in. You know, of course, the Iranians are not happy about losing export, uh, an export market. And, and they've, you know, they've come, they have um, reintroduced the threat that they've brought out. You know, I think, you know, I, I remember when I started in the industry many years ago, uh, many, many moons ago and talking about the Strait of Hormuz, you know, and they're now talking about, well, may, you know, maybe we'll blockade the, uh, maybe we'll blockade the Strait of Hormuz. Um, they probably won't, but nevertheless, you know, they, they've, uh, they've put that out there. They've put out, uh, we may kick the inspectors out, uh, you know, the nuclear in inspectors. So, um, you know, ho hopefully things don't escalate much further but uh there's obviously a lot going on in uh in, in in the persian gulf where there will be there sure is there sure is andy anything else you want to talk about with the, with our listeners today no i i just think the market as we i think marty as we as we have described you know the the market is uh there's, there's a lot going on i think we said last week that we're you know we were pretty bullish or i was pretty bullish and uh, I don't really see anything yet to, um, you know, to, to, to change that view. The market's off big today, backwardation's coming off, but, um, you know, the, there's, there's still a lot of events to be played out. Well, Andy, we really enjoy being a part of it. And uh, I've noticed that since we've been working with you and your team, the number of podcast reviews from the Northeast 
have uh, exceeded our podcast uh, reviews and downloads in Houston, which is uh, interesting that, uh, that, that that shift has occurred. It says a lot about the quality of the content that you're bringing to the audience. So uh, we love being a part of it. And if any of your listeners or our listeners are new to the industry and uh, heard terms like heavy, sour, and backwardation and the importance of Cushing and have no idea what we're talking about or maybe only a journeyman's knowledge, I recommend you take a look at our introduction to oil and gas, oil 101 on our website www.ektinteractive.com. One of the largest modules is on supply trading and comes from my background with Exxon and a number of supply trading projects I did while I was with PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, with Coke Industries, Shell, and others. So that could be of some value to, again, any of our listeners that are new to the industry. So we really appreciate being part of this with you and your team, Andy. Well, I'm so happy that we, we started these weeklies because this, this, there's so much going on. And I think, you know, we're still going to do the monthly. Jim and I are still going to do the monthlies. And if you want to get a hold of, of me or Jim Colburn or Ed Meir, you could um, reach me at my email, which is alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. Our website is uh, commodityresearchgroup.com. And uh, feel free to send an email or uh, get, a, get a hold of us if you have any questions on, uh, on the futures markets or uh, markets in general. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you again, hopefully, next week.